0: Good morning, Life Church Livonia, and welcome. If you're just joining us for the first time, thank you so much for being here. My name is Alex, and I'm one of the pastors here at Life Church Livonia, and thank you for joining us in this awesome series that we've been doing on mental health called With All My Mind. Jesus says the great commandment is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it to love our neighbor as ourself. But the question that we are wrestling with in this series is how do I love God with all my mind when I'm struggling with mental health issues? Now, mental health struggles like anxiety, depression, ADHD, and others, these are so common and have skyrocketed in the last 10 years and become even more common during the COVID-19 lockdown. For some of us, our issues pre-existed COVID and COVID exacerbated them. For others, they began during that time. This leads us to the question as Christians, how do we meet God in our mental health struggles so that we might both receive His love and love Him back with all of our mind? Throughout this series thus far, we have talked about anxiety. Last week, we talked about depression. And today, we are covering the topic of ADD and ADHD. Like I said the other two weeks, I just want to preface this sermon by saying these topics are truly massive. Truly massive, and there is no way to fully tackle them in all of their complexities in a 35 minute sermon. It's simply not happening. However, we do hope to connect to God's Word, to connect to each other, and to connect you to some really helpful resources. Now, just like the other weeks, there are things we simply couldn't include, and there are things that we have included that are going to be linked in the digital bulletin for you as a resource. So please take time to check that out. That's a just a page on our website called the Digital Bulletin. Now, this is a mental health series. I am not a mental health professional. I'm a pastor. However, there are many mental health professionals at our church. The first week I was joined by my wife, Amber, uh, who is a clinician. Last week I was joined by Rick Gutterson. And this week I am be thr- I'm be thrilled to be joined by Derek Jackson. and uh, Derek, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for helping me teach on this topic today. And as we get started on this topic of ADD and ADHD, I would just love to have you tell us a little bit about yourself and also tell us why you agreed to help me teach this topic. Thanks for having me, Alex. Um, and thank you, Life Church, for giving me this opportunity
1: to talk to you guys about this. Um, I've realized that God's purpose for me is to teach mental health to all those suffering mm. from mental illness so that they can reach their fullest potential. Um, in this life, as Jesus says, life in all its fullness, um, God continues to ask us to be good stewards with all of our resources, including our mental health. And you know, that, so that we can provide the things that he gifted us with and contribute to contribute to his kingdom. Mm. Um, I've been a cl- clinician now for about 10 years or 12 years. Mm. I worked with clients aged 10 and up in my practice. Um, and I'm also full-time employed at a elementary school in centerline, mm. So um, I've seen a lot of this in my days. <laughs> a lot
0: of ADHD in <laughs> elementary school. Absolutely.
1: Um, I currently work in the school, and we notice that the impact of ADHD on a student's ability to be- behave appropriately and be successful in their academics, um, which could also lead to better outcomes in their lives as they age. Mm-hmm. Um, we work on a team, and we, you know, we monitor behaviors. Um, we gather data. Um, we provide recommendations for interventions to the parents of the kids that we we see. Mm. Um, I do have a lot of history working with psychiatrists, and they help diagnose clients who have allowed their mental illness to interfere with them making sound choices in life. Mm. And We know that decisions are everything in life. So if you're not making the right
0: ones, they can really impact your life in a negative way. 100%. Uh, 100%. Yes. So, can you tell me a little bit about how you got into mental health, Derek? What drew you to this field? Absolutely. So, basically, I grew up in Port Huron, Michigan.
1: I grew up in the south side of the city, which is like the more impoverished area. Mm. Um, And we had a lot of socioeconomic problems going on around us. I realized at a young age that our environment had a major impact on basically how people think, how they feel. And how they end up deciding things in their lives. Right. Um, so I grew up, you know, dealing with all those factors. And I noticed that, you know, they started impacting me a little bit. Hmm. Um, I felt an obligation to contribute to the communities similar to the ones I grew up in. Um, I kind of feel like God kind of puts you in situations and uses those situations to help yeah. others in certain ways. So, yeah. I feel like that was my calling. Um, I realized at a young age that mental control is an important factor to be successful.
0: 100%. And I felt a burden to be a part of that solution. That's awesome, man. Thanks for sharing about that. And and again, so going back to ADD, ADHD, what about this is part of that burden? You know, what about this is drew you to go, you know what? Yeah, I'll help you teach on that. I'm up for it. Yeah. So, um, First,
1: I've, you know, I, again, I have 12 years experience working with ADHD. Yeah. Um, some of my past experience was working in juvenile detention centers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm currently in a school. I've worked in community mental health <clears> agencies. <throat> um, and now I have a private practice. And so I saw a lot of the social issues. Um, people going to jail. Mm-hmm. You know, people committing crimes. Um, of course, in the school, poor School performance, mm-hmm. um, academics are are struggling because of it. Poor behavioral choices um, that were all driven by things like ADD and ADHD. Mm. Wow! Um, as a matter of fact, the CDC kind of shows that, uh, or they have record that about six million children struggle with ADHD wow. um, in our total population and. Majority of those kids are, are mostly black and white. Mm. Um, I don't know if it's a cultural stigma or whatnot mm. as to reasons why like Hispanic and Asian children aren't being diagnosed as much, but that is what the stats show right now. Mm. Um and a lot of about one third of those individuals end up going uh into their adulthood mm-hmm. having the same issues. And so I know again, <clears throat> decision making. Um, when we're impulsive is is very um, impacted and, and we can start
0: making very poor choices when, when we don't know how to control those impulses. Yeah, so. 100%. Well, thanks so much for sharing that information with us. Thanks for sharing your story. And thanks for being up here with me today. It's yeah. awesome. I'm really grateful for that. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to be here. <clears throat> now, um, the term ADD, ADHD, like with many of the mental health terms that we encounter these days, Uh, They're kind of buzzwords, and people will say things like, oh, that was an ADD moment, even if maybe they don't have ADD, you know. And so as a clinician, I'm just curious, when you use the terms ADD or ADHD, what is it you mean and and what do you not mean? Okay, so I I could just give the
1: definition of ADHD. Um, ADHD is a neurodevelopmental disorder, and it affects children and adults. Um, It's an ongoing pattern pattern of inattention and or hyperactivity with some impulsivity there. Um, and it impacts an individual's typical development or disrupts their daily life. Mm. Um, people with ADHD may also have difficulties with like mer- work and memory, mm. um, maintaining attention and executive functioning of our brain, which includes, you know, our brain's ability to begin an activity, organize that activity and then manage the tasks that come with that activity. Mm, so mm. Um, it's not, you know, it, a lot of people get it mistaken with just being distracted. Mm. And that's not what it is. Um, we all struggle with distraction. Sure. Uh, distraction is just a common thing because our ability to multitask as humans, and, and you know we're limited. You know, sometimes we feel like we're not, but yeah. uh, we have limitations. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it's not just, you know, I know in today's world we get distracted easily. Yeah. You know, there's a lot going on and people just can't really do two things at once yeah. in, a, in a in a high level way. So um, it's not just that. It's really a clinical diagnosis and it, it happens over a, a matter of time, you know, a long period of time. Yeah. So even when situations are ideal, um, it it isn't an ideal situation would be something like the room is quiet, you know, things are, are conducive for learning or or studying or reading or whatnot, but yet your mind continues to take take you to different places and mm. you can't really obtain information or retain it mm. um,
0: the way you could if you didn't have that type of disorder. Mm. So what what's the difference then between the ADD and the ADHD? Like what's the difference there?
1: Okay, so basically the H and the ADHD is the only difference or the... Uh, the uh, I guess. Would you say maybe distinction or something yes. like that? Yes. It's more of a, yeah. So it basically the H stands for hyperactivity okay. um, slash impulsivity. And the ADD is just attention deficit disorder. So it kind of means what it says. Um, you know, there's a, a deficit in your ability to maintain attention on a certain task. Mm. With the hyperactivity and impulsivity, as we know, when you're impulsive, you're not thinking through the pros and cons of a decision. Right. You're not thinking through um, making sure you're making sound decisions. So that, you know, can add a lot of difficulty in your life because again, that that's something we need as we age to, to make sound decisions and to be, um, to be
0: able to navigate our lives effectively. Yeah. Well, as we were talking about the sermon, I thought it was just so fascinating. You have such a wealth of information on this. And I thought it was so fascinating. You said that they're essentially the same but the H, the folks with hyperactivity have more energy to make their flawed decisions quicker. Yes. <laughs> I thought that was such an interesting distinction. And so we're going to show some of the um, uh, symptoms on the screen here. And again, this is not for self-diagnosis. <clears throat> this is just for information. So there's inattention symptoms and there's hyperactivity and impulsivity symptoms. So you'll see those kind of flash across the screen as we continue here. So... Um, Derek, if, as we're getting started on this sermon, and as many of us here uh, are connected to folks with ADHD, or maybe we have that diagnosis ourselves, or maybe we're an adult and we suspect we may have it, but we've never been diagnosed, what do you think is the most important thing that as we begin our topic, we need to know about ADD and ADHD?
1: Yeah. Um, so one of the most important things that I want you to know about ADD and ADHD is that their core, they're an issue with impulse control. Um, So every medication or activity or technique that we use to treat ADD and ADHD is really about being able to focus long enough to control those passing impulses Mm. and make sound decisions with more positive outcomes, basically. So it slows us down. You know, it allows people to think through things and Mm. not just act on their impulse, which can be dictated by a lot. You know, your feelings can change that, you know. And feelings change all day long. So if you're feeling up at this point and you just feel like this decision might
0: be a good choice, but you really didn't vet it that well, it can get you in trouble. Yeah. And man, as we were preparing this sermon, that rocked my world. The idea that the core of ADD and ADHD is not about attention, really. It's about impulsivity. That it's an impulse control problem. That rocked my whole world Now, as we've said every week, mental health issues are not just modern issues, these are human issues experienced by many people over the whole course of human history. And that includes people in the Bible. We've given this disclaimer every week, but I just feel compelled to give it again. It would be inappropriate to truly diagnose any biblical character unless their mental health struggle in scripture is explicitly communicated. And the reason for that is simply this. Mental health diagnoses come from a combination of both observable symptoms, but also inner world disclosure. And when we read the pages of scripture, we can definitely observe people's behaviors, but we don't really get a lot of inner world disclosure out of people most of the time. And so I just want to say in the same way it would be inappropriate to fully diagnose someone and say, this person for sure has that. It would also be inappropriate to just ignore their behavior entirely and go, that has no bearing on their inner world, right? So what we're going to be doing today is viewing some symptoms in a biblical character and making some inferences about their mental state or inner world. And when I think about a biblical character who struggles with impulse control, I think of none other than our boy, the Apostle Peter. Now, Peter and his brother Andrew both were fishermen both were called by Jesus and chosen to be one of his 12 disciples. Peter is famous in the pages of scripture and known for saying dumb, goofy, silly, outright outlandish things. And Peter seemingly has some impulse control issues. Sometimes they get him in trouble, like when he cuts a guy's ear off or when he tries to tell Jesus not to go to the cross or when he denies Jesus Other times, they enable him to do incredible things like recognizing that Jesus is the Messiah or walking on water. And what I want to do today is really look at Peter, excuse me, and look at how Peter's impulsive decisions get him into trouble. And there's a particular... A uh, chain of impulsive decisions that get Peter into trouble, but we also see God meet him there. And that's the most important thing I want us to take a look at today. So we're going to jump into scripture beginning in Matthew 26, and it says this. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Notice Peter's the only one speaking up, telling Jesus he's wrong. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And then all the other disciples said the same. So Peter feels very confident that he would never betray Jesus. And so he blurts it out. And like I said, notice he's the only one interrupting Jesus to tell him he's wrong. After dinner, they go to the Gethsemane, this garden where Jesus agonizes in prayer, praying that maybe God would prevent him from going to the cross. God tells him, no, this is is his will. And Jesus submits to his father's will, which means going to the cross. He wakes his sleeping disciples. And just as that happens, Judas, the betrayer, comes to Jesus with a detachment of soldiers, and they begin to arrest Jesus, and this is what happens. Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Then the detachment of soldiers with its commander and Jewish officials arrested Jesus, and they bound him. So, Jesus has been nonviolent his entire ministry. He's preached things about loving your enemies and not hating them, teaching you to love even the people that you most despise. But in this moment, Peter decides it's time to disobey all of those commands and it's time to defend Jesus. And most likely, it's because he's flooded with fear. By the way, no one swings a sword at someone's head aiming for the ear, okay? So Peter definitely was overzealous and just missed, all right? And this guy better be very thankful that Peter's aim did not match his zeal, because this could have been a very different moment. And then this is what happens next. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled the fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him, but he denied it. uh, Woman, I do not know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You're also one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour uh, later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he's a Galilean. And Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter, and then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Again, we see Peter speaking before he's thinking, and he betrays Jesus and his values in the process. Peter's denial was this series of lies for the sake of self-preservation. He doesn't want to get arrested. Despite saying he'd go to the cross and die with Jesus, he doesn't want to die. And so he's lying to save his own skin. And this separates Peter from Jesus. This breaks their relationship so much so that when Jesus rises from the dead, angels tell the women who discover the empty tomb, go tell his disciples and Peter, categorizing them now in different categories. Meaning that Peter's no longer one of the disciples, because of this impulsive lie to protect himself. After the resurrection, Jesus appears to the disciples twice. But he and Peter don't fully reconcile until their third meeting. Which, there's symbolism in that, by the way. The disciples are fishing on the Sea of Galilee. They can't catch anything. A man on shore tells them to cast their nets to the other side after fishing all night. And they do. They catch so many fish, they can't hardly pull them up without the nets breaking. One of the disciples recognize that it's Jesus, and they shout, It's Jesus! And Peter gets so excited, he jumps into the water, fully clothed, and then swims a hundred yards, an entire football field to shore, while the other disciples simply finish getting the fish and row back to shore, completely dry. (laughs) Again, we see Peter just making this impulsive decision. So now, sopping wet, Peter meets Jesus by the fire. And they have this conversation. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Now, I've heard it said, and I believe rightly so, that Jesus asks Peter, do you love me three times because Peter denied Jesus three times. And so him asking for his reaffirmation of love really fully reconciles that denial. I believe that's true. But I also think there are some other reasons that Jesus says what he does and says it the way he says it. Firstly, if Peter really does have ADHD, he's clearly impulsive from what we've seen. I would guess one of the reasons Jesus asks Peter three times is to get Peter to slow down and focus. To really give Peter a chance to think before he speaks. To make sure that Peter's yes is not just another impulsive moment, but is a true yes. Secondly, notice that Peter's betrayal of Jesus was this series of three lies. Isn't it interesting that Jesus doesn't say to Peter, if you love me, tell the truth. Right? It's, it's curious, isn't it? I mean, if the issue was lying, why not tell Peter to tell the truth? Instead, he says, feed my sheep. Why? Well, Peter's denial was a series of lies for the sake. Of self-preservation and Jesus calls Peter not to truth which is obviously important but calls him to self-sacrifice for the sake of the preservation of my sheep not myself this requires a greater slowness and delayed gratification in Peter's thinking and speaking in behaving Jesus is telling Peter that loves look love looks like not impulsively swinging a sword or saying you'll die for someone but it looks like self-sacrifice that makes sure others are taken care of. Jesus is asking Peter to make decisions not on the basis of how he feels in the moment, but on the basis of how his decisions will take care of or will not take care of Jesus' sheep. In the book of Acts and in the pages of church history, we see Peter do exactly this. He really is transformed in this moment and clearly put in a lot of work to get this right because there's only one other time in all of scripture that we see Peter kind of get in trouble again for his impulsivity. Despite his problems, Peter is the rock of the church and his impulsiveness did not count him out from serving God, even at the highest levels. And if that was true for Peter, that can be true for you and that can be true for me, regardless of whether we have ADD or ADHD. We can get better at managing these impulses and we can serve God in the most profound of ways. So Derek, some of us here are struggling with ADD and ADHD. Some of us have family and friends, some of us think we may have it, we've never been officially diagnosed, and some of us are just pulled in a million directions by life and the world in which we live in. We wanna be present, But we struggle to control those impulses. So wherever we're at today, I'm curious as a clinician, what do you think are some next steps we could take to improve our impulse control? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So
1: I'll just say before jumping into things that can improve ADD and ADHD, that there are some things that make it worse, especially in this modern world we're living in. Mm. Um, Things like social media and screen time. I, I preach that in my sessions, like, how much time are you spending on that screen? Yeah. Um, social media, comparison game, you know, you're you're right. just always constantly distracted. Uh, substance abuse makes it worse. Mm. Obviously, we, we lose our ability to control ourselves when we're under substances. So right. that kind of makes it worse. Um, and everyone has triggers for their ADHD. Um, just become conscious of yours. Mm. If you know you're going to feel a certain way in a certain situation, just prepare for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you are responsible for your emotions and your behavior. Mm, at um, the that. Yeah. As, and as far as working on it to improve your impulse control, um, what we do at the school is when we're working with the kids, we do activities with them to try to help them mm. to move from a lack of impulse control to more self-control type mm. type of behavior, um, which we know as Christians is a fruit of the Spirit. Right.
0: Self-control for the Spirit.
1: Yes. Yes. So we, we do things like... The stop and think worksheet, which is just exactly <laughs> what that, that, that says. Um, we play games like red light, green light. Mm. Um, we play uh, the say it or think it game. <laughs> I know some adults that could really use that game. I, I know think. I can use that game. <laughs> um, we play the game of operation, which causes you to yes. you know, have to focus. A lot of focus. We do breathing exercises because, again, emotions can create our impulses to be a little more uh, less likely that we can control them. So mm. we we do things that, you know, breathing controls our, our emotions. Mm. And we also do mindfulness activities um to make sure that people are becoming more present in their, you know, in their day. Mm. Um, being more present in their activity and, and things that they they do on a regular basis. Which kind of helps you to focus more. Mm. Um, I know for all the adults here, I want to just give you guys a stop and think activity. Um, and it'll be called a quiet time. Mm. Um, this is simply just 20 minutes every day where we pause for some silence. We journal about journal about what's inside of us we read some scripture and we pray and the simple daily activity contains basically all of the components necessary for growing in ADD and ADHD. Um, you could check, check out the church's Devo card Mm. on the digital bulletin for more information or reach out via the connection card. Um, some act, some other activities that would help us really grow in self-control. In other words, discipline would be choosing a hard activity we can we can choose our activity like the Team World Vision Six K.
0: Yeah, um, to perseverance. And you were just saying, you know, as we were getting ready to film today, you were just saying that you are working with a client and you recommended something like this. Absolutely. You know? Yes, I I
1: recommended some yoga and uh, mm. to to cre- keep increasing the time because I know it's kind of hard to do it at first. So I'm always a proponent of starting low yeah. and then moving your way up. But the more difficult it becomes, the the better you are at, uh, yeah. one,
0: increasing your discipline. You right. know, being able to do things you don't want to do when you don't want to do them. Right, and, and, and I'll <laughs> just say for this, you know, one of the coolest parts about this, as we were working on this sermon, I was just so blown away at the idea that this missional thing that we do to help kids who have lack of access to clean water could actually be a way to improve our mental health and grow in self-control and grow in impulse control by challenging ourselves. And if you're not a runner, that's okay. Folks walk this there's a training plan. We're going to start preparing for that um, probably end of February, early March. So keep an eye out for that. But that just blew my mind as we were talking about this. Again, something so simple and something so so accessible. So what are maybe some other things that we could do? Yeah, so
1: to piggyback on that a little bit, I know running too, it, it releases endorphins. And of course, mm. those are our feel-good chemicals in our body. Um, I always recommend activities like that because it counters some of the painful emotions and things we have to go through in in a day. Mm. So they they make you feel good, you know, after. So so fasting will be also a great idea to grow in self-control because in fasting, we are practicing saying no to ourselves and saying yes to God. Mm. That simple saying no to my impulse in order to say yes to a higher good is exactly what we are trying to get every person with ADD and ADHD to do. Wow. Um, this spirit, spiritual discipline has, has it baked right in it and is a very wow. super powerful uh, activity. So I would definitely recommend that. Um, I, I actually fast daily. Um, I do an intermittent fast and I don't start my, my mm. eating window until about noon. So mm. I do notice the urge to eat yeah, earlier, but I usually just fight it off and, and, and get to that noon <laughs> mark. Good for so, you, man. Good for you. Yes. Um, The way that Jesus met Peter and his impulse control issues, I believe, is the same way he wants to meet us today. Mm. Um, Jesus sat with Peter. He helped him slow down Mm. and express his love for Jesus. Mm. Um, I believe that's what God wants us to do as well as we grow in Mm. self-control. I encourage you guys to make a daily habit, daily quiet time with that Devo card. And I also really love the Abide app. Uh, Mm. You can find that on Spotify or other music streaming, Mm. you know, platforms. Um, To close the day, I'm I'm just going to read a script of a Christian meditation that I found and I really love. And it's similar to the the meditations that Abide offers as well. Mm. Um, Let me grab that real quick. So I'm just going to ask you guys to get comfortable in your seat. Take a deep breath and close your eyes if you feel comfortable. Take some time to meditate on the words of Psalm 63 and allow it to guide your prayer. Feel free to add specific requests and prayers. O God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. Lord, you are my God. I feel like I am parched, thirsting, and longing to be made new. I feel crippled by the worries and cares of this world. In many ways, I feel as if I'm drowning in anxiety and fear. Mm. But you, God, are the one who can quench my thirsty soul. Mm. You are the one who faithfully loves me. You are the life giver. And you alone are the one who can make me feel new and refreshed again. It is in your presence that I am made whole. I praise you because of your abundant and unfailing mercies. For as long as I am alive, I will lift up my heart Lord, you satisfy me, my every need, body, soul, and mind. I cannot do anything less than praise you for all that you have done for me. Whether I am awake or asleep, I know I can rest knowing that you are with me, keeping me safe in the midst of trouble, guarding my soul. You lift me up when life tears me down. You have long been my help and comforter. Continue to comfort me. Mm -hmm. Calm my fears and anxious thoughts. Help me to cling to your unfailing love. Give me the strength to face whatever may come my way. You alone are my strength and protection. Lord, you are aware of my struggles in my life. You know my fears, whether found in the physical pains inflicted by others or the hurtful events and sorrows that have troubled my life. You know my anxious thoughts. You know each of these enemies, whether in mind and heart or physical. Guard my heart and mind. Mm. Protect me from anything that may seek mm. to destroy me. I know that you will pursue justice in my life. Mm. I have nothing to fear in your presence. Mm. All evils and troubles will pass away, mm. all enemies and trouble makers will vanish. Mm. You are my refuge and the one in whom I can trust. Save me, mm. protect me. Fill my life with your strong and comforting presence. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Derek. Thank you for sharing with us today. Thank you for all the work that you put into this. I really appreciate it. As we close today, uh, again, I'm just so struck by the way that Jesus met Peter. I'm so struck uh, in several ways. And, and one of the things is is we're wrapping up that I, I think is so fun and interesting and refreshing and what a beautiful take in the mental health stuff is. For um, anxiety and depression, there are a number of techniques really addressing our emotional world. And I find it so fascinating that the things today really are, are things we do with our body. And I've heard the phrase, emotion follows motion. I think there's a lot of truth to that. That as we engage in things in our body, our mind and our heart will begin to follow and and that we're totally interconnected. And so again, I I just come back to the way that Jesus met Peter and that Jesus meets Peter on the beach and says, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And I don't think that's just a question to Peter. I think that that's a question Jesus would have for us today. Alex, do you love me? Derek, do you love me? Kate, do you love me? Susan, do you love me? Greg, do you love me? And one of the things I know to be true is that John 10.10 says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come that you might have life and have it in all its fullness. Friends, whatever you are struggling with today, be it a mental health issue, be it a physical issue, be it an emotional issue, be it a spiritual issue, Jesus has come that you might have life and have it in all its fullness. He came from heaven to earth to pursue you because our sin separated us from God. All of these things, all these things that we label now in our modern day as mental health issues, these are the result, the consequence of a broken world. And that broken world has been broken by sin. It is outside affecting us, and it is inside, and we contribute to the brokenness of the world. And Jesus came from heaven to earth to make all things right, all things new, all things good, including you and including including me. I heard a theologian say not too long ago that the things that will one day occupy hell are currently not there. They're on earth. All the sins, all the demons, even the devil himself, they don't live in hell. Hell is their punishment. And Jesus came from heaven to earth to live a sinless, perfect life that he might be fully united to God the Father. And as his kingdom comes, it is pushing the hell out of earth. And that means it needs to push the hell out of you and me too. And this morning, God is coming, not just to you, he is coming for you. And he wants you to experience that life and life in all of its fullness. And so this morning, I just wonder where you're at. As you hear Jesus' question, do you love me? Is your answer no? Is your answer, I don't even know you? Is your answer yes, Lord, but? Or is your answer yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Wherever you fall today, I just want to invite you. God's hand is reaching out to you. And Jesus wants you to take one more step closer to him today. One more step to grab his hand and to move from death into life and life in all of its fullness. And so I just want to invite you to pray with me today. Lord, we come before you today broken. Broken in our minds, broken in our bodies broken in our hearts, broken in our spirits. Lord, we know that the world isn't right and that that includes us. And Lord, we ask that you would make us new. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and the sins of the whole world to reconcile the whole of creation to God. And I believe, Lord, that you rose from the dead, creating a path to life, and life in all its fullness. Lord, I pray you'd meet me now, right here, as I am, and that, Lord, you would lead me into abundance. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. If today struck a chord with you, Maybe you have ADD, ADHD, maybe you think you might, maybe you're struggling with another mental health issue. I just want to remind you that Life Church Livonia has partnered with both Solid Ground Counseling and Intercessions locally. Solid Ground will give you a free 30-minute intake just to help you kind of get acclimated and get a picture of what doing counseling at their center might be. And Intercessions will also do a free intake session for you uh, to help you figure out what may be going on and what a path forward might be. So friends, you are not alone. Life is difficult, uh, but you do not have to walk this alone. You are here in this community with real people who are following a real God and who are moving towards real life and life in all of its fullness. Join us next week as we close this series, and I can't wait to see you then.